It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Today's episode of Where Are They Now features one of the Sharks' real fan favorites, left-winger Ryan Clough. Ryan grew up in Newfoundland, and that's where our conversation began, as he told us about how that shaped him as a person and as a hockey player. Yeah, I grew up uh, yeah, in Newfoundland, which is an, an island, but I grew up, uh, the major, the big city there is St. John's, is about 250,000 people. I grew up about an hour, a little over an hour from the city, a little small town, about 500 people, a fishing community. Uh, my dad was a crab fisherman, uh, you know, growing up. So it was, it was the outstanding way to grow up. Now, looking back now, as you get older, you get to reflect and you really get to appreciate how it is growing up in a small town and, uh, you know, very passionate uh, community for hockey around me. And uh, that's kind of where I got the lo- my love of the game and started playing outside at an early age. So, I think it has instilled a lot of values in me, uh, especially, you know, the work ethic part is some that I took from that. And it was great. Now, like I said, looking back, I felt very fortunate. Well, your dad, Tony, and all the, all the friends of his that were fishermen really had to work hard every single day to live. And so I suppose that that was something that was inculcated in you from a very early age. Yeah, it was. I mean, I seen him, uh, you know, how he went about his business and it you know, when I actually got uh, into kind of the junior age and when I was playing in the Quebec League, I started to do a little fishing with him in the, in the offseason. Obviously, you can make some pretty good money there in, in a few months. And I realized fairly quickly that, uh, number one, this was a very laborious job and it was obviously strenuous and you have a, a certainly appreciation for what they do. And number two, that I hope I make the NHL because I didn't want to do this for a living. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, they had some rough days on the sea and some, I have some, you know, as you've probably heard, he's probably told some crazy stories when we had some of those father trips, uh, about his time, uh, as a, as a crab fisherman and growing up and kind of experience what he went through, but it certainly is still a, uh, more or less just seeing him kind of working on how he went about the day-to-day business. And, uh, you know, he certainly passed some of that along to me. How passionate is the hockey community in Newfoundland? I understand that it's it's right at the top of Canada in terms of the intensity and love for the game. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's right up there. I mean, it's it's something that it's, you know, it's the first topic of conversation whenever you see, uh, whenever you talk to someone, it's always, it's usually Montreal, Toronto, or probably Boston fans for the majority of uh, uh, Newfoundland, mostly Montreal, Toronto. So the big rivalry there, I was a diehard Montreal Canadiens fan when I grew up, my dad would take me probably once a winter to, to the Montreal forum and then to the bell center, uh, to watch a game. So that was a huge, uh, treat for me, but yeah, it really is. It's, it's kind of the fabric of the community you see now as, you know, when I came along, we had probably six or seven guys in the NHL at once which is incredible. Now you're kind of seeing, you know, another wave of kids come along. We had two kids on the Canadian world junior team this year. So it's kind of, uh, we, I feel pretty privileged to come along when I did and kind of set that standard and set the, you know, just to give the, know the kids that the opportunity is there. And, and obviously the exposure now is everywhere, but, uh, 
yeah, no, it's, it's a, it was a wonderful place. And, you know, anytime I go back now, that's one of the things I like the most is just the, the conversation and the passion for hockey. How old were you when you first played? You know, I guess uh, I was probably around seven, which was probably a little bit late for in Canada, at least. And uh, my mom took me, my cousin was playing and I didn't like it. I, I didn't actually like hockey at the start. Uh, and then when I started to play, you know, I wanted to be a goalie. So I started playing a goalie for a little bit and then something clicked, I think around eight or nine. And I just, I couldn't get enough. I mean, I, you know, I knew every stat, every team, every player uh, just lived it, lived it day in, day out. The arena was probably close to an hour from my house to close to the arena. So, you know, it was, it was tough sometimes in the winter on my parents. Cause you know what the, the weather at that time of year is tough. So I, uh, but I loved it. I had, I played probably when I was seven and then just really took off. Is there a lot of outdoor hockey in Newfoundland or is it, or does the weather prohibit that? There is now there's more now than probably, it just seems like, you know how it is, Ruzo, everywhere kind of now in Canada, it seems like there's outdoor rinks everywhere. It seems like everyone has them. doesn't matter how much land you have. They'll just put them anywhere. So we had more kind of pond hockey when I grew up. We'd find a, a local you know, area just kind of that froze over. But uh, I think it's more predominant now. But it was there when I grew up as well. But uh, it, it does get tough in the winter, especially in Newfoundland is with the heavy winds. So what's it like for a kid from Newfoundland to get the opportunity to go to the Montreal Forum or the Canadians won all those Stanley Cups and, uh, you know, just such a, a museum-like place up until the time that it stopped being one. What did you feel when you walked into the rink and you, you, you listened to the people and you saw the, the guys on the ice? Oh, it was outstanding, especially the Forum. You know, we're fortunate enough to get pretty good seats, but it really, it just felt like you're literally on top of the players, on top of the ice. And, you know, just how things have changed. I remember when I think we... One of the guys that was a friend of my dad's, he had a he had a relationship with one of the officials uh, who refed the game, and I remember we were in the visiting dressing room after morning skate. I remember walking, saying hello to Ray Bork and Cam Neely and Don Sweeney and these guys, and and it's obviously changed nowadays, you know, with the security and stuff. But everything was so free and how easy it was to get into form, and uh, but it was it was unbelievable. And I was always a big Eric Lindros fan growing up, so we would try to see, you know, most of the times we would try to schedule in Philadelphia was in town. And then obviously you see the Bell Center nowadays, and that was probably my favorite rink to play in. So uh, it's just, a, and I actually played junior hockey in Montreal too. It's just a great, great place to play. Obviously, that's the big city for you, the closest one, uh, other than say Halifax, perhaps uh, near to where you are. But when did you really start to believe that you could actually play? Well, you know what, I, I had an interesting, like I said, when I when I was fourteen, I moved to kind of what we would call the city. It's called Mount Pearl. It's you know it's bigger. It's close to St. John's. Uh, and at that age, you know, my minor hockey association where I grew up was very small. So, you know, it wasn't a high divisions. You weren't playing in a triple A sort of setting. It was more like a B and C division. So, you know, you just, you're good at that age, but you never really know until you get yourself against some competition. But then when I did get myself against better competition, I didn't make a lot of teams. I got caught a lot, all the, you know, provincial teams in Newfoundland, I never made, uh, Canada games, all that stuff you know, wasn't even on the radar. So I felt I was always a very smart player. I felt I could, you know, had good hands and could see the ice and process the game very quickly. Uh, believe it or not, early in my career was I was too small and then I grew and then I was too slow. So, uh, but when I, when I played major AAA and kind of got drafted to 
uh, not drafted, actually played in the Quebec League. That was probably when I kind of said, I didn't know if it was, I never thought about getting drafted to the NHL. I didn't even think that was on my radar. I was thinking more, I'd have to work my way up through the, the lower minor pro leagues. But once I got drafted, then obviously it sets in that this is a real opportunity. Well, you were drafted, obviously, and that must have been a big day in your life from the San Jose Sharks. That happened uh, 175th overall in the year 2001. I suppose you remember it like it was yesterday. I do. You know, I was uh, I was 18 years old when I played, when I went in as a tryout in the Moncton Wildcats in the Quebec League. And, th- and that's, you know, for a walk-on kid, that's older. I mean, usually 16 or 17-year-old kids are getting drafted to that league. And I was just a, a walk-on. And I got caught. I went to the Junior A team in Moncton, had a pretty good start. And then I went to uh, Ramuski, who just won the Memorial Cup. So they had some openings. They had some players leave. And I went to Ramuski on a three-game tryout at Christmas time. And they said, we'll give you a three-game tryout and see how it goes. So I ended up scoring and getting a couple of fights, you know, kind of did well. And they kept me to the end of the year. And I probably only played in 25 games and then had a pretty good playoffs. We went a couple of rounds. And then at the end of the year, my agent said, hey, you got a 50-50 chance of getting drafted. And basically, that was he just called out of the blue. This was short before the draft. I had no idea. Like I said, I didn't think it was on my radar. I was just excited to be able to have an opportunity to play in a major junior team. And I was in Florida, and the draft was in Florida. So I was in Florida on vacation, and the draft was actually in Florida, but I wasn't at the draft because I had no idea. I, I didn't, still didn't think I was going to get drafted. And then I got a call from San Jose and said, you know, I think they called my agent called me and said it was drafted to San Jose and I was just overwhelmed I mean just it was such a whirlwind year to be you know one September I'm I'm cut and the next September I'm at a training camp flying into San Jose it was it was a crazy year but you know it was wonderful. Do you think that getting cut made you a stronger person as well as a stronger player just to deal with that disappointment and learn how to fight back and, and get better? Yeah, you know what, I just, I felt like I had a strong conviction in my game, to be honest. You know, I felt like, you know, I, I put in enough work that I was going to get better. I knew in, in increments my game would improve. And I also knew that the players around me and the players are competing with, and I, I feel this was probably right up until I made the NHL. I felt like, you know, I felt I had more of a love and a passion for the game. I felt I was willing to kind of do things longer and do things harder that would get me there. And I knew that I wasn't on top of the list as a prospect. Uh, but I, I was, I, I kind of had belief that when it came down to it, I was willing to do more and, and stay in the, stay in the fight longer. And, and that's kind of, I think what happened to me, and you see this a lot, you know, when you get kids coming in and they're, they're either drafted or even go back to the younger age, sometimes they peak early or you just, they get tested they're, 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 they face some adversity and they get tested and then they kind of, you know, they're not willing to push through it. And for me, I went through that as a young age, like I went through it consistently but I always felt like, you know, to me, the hockey sense part of so, was so big for me because I knew that was my edge and that and my work ethic, and I was able to improve my skating. So, you know, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of knew that was my edge uh, to get in the NHL. Tell us a little bit about Ramuski because uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but the very first season of the San Jose Sharks history, we had a, a preseason game in Ramuski. It was a, a Eastern Quebec trip, and the Sharks went on it before they ever played a single game. They played in Ramouski and Bay Como, of all places. And, of course, those are Quebec major junior league towns. But uh, what do fans need to know about Ramouski in San Jose? Well, well, first of all, Ruzo, I didn't know that, but that's, that's a good story. Uh, it's, it's a really, really good uh, – it's an ice – no, it's a northern Quebec town. It's, it's a very isolated French town. Really, no English speaking, uh, and I didn't speak French. 
but I, I had a wonderful time because it was such a passionate uh, hockey fan base and, and it had proven success. And I had a lot of really good players like Vincent LeCavier was first overall. Uh, Brad Richards just left before I came in to win Memorial Cup. I, you know, and then Sidney Crosby came along right after me. So they've had a ton of players because players love to play there. It was really a really uh, good hockey fan base, great organization to treat the player well. And then, you know, the other part is they have a lot of, even though it's a, you know, a French community, they have a lot of English players that come through there, and especially maritime players, which, you know, uh, and now there's a lot of Newfoundlanders that come through after me, so I'm proud of that. So I was I was really lucky to have an opportunity to uh, to play there. And I, I had no idea what Ramuski, how it was or where it was but until I got there, but I was fortunate enough to play there. Big change in your last year junior because you played for the Montreal Rockets. So going from Ramuski, a rather remote city or small town, to Montreal, one of the cathedral cities of hockey, had to be an amazing experience. Yeah, and I was a, you know, I was drafted to San Jose at this time, and I was a huge Montreal Canadiens fan growing up. So I was, I would go in between our games and scalp tickets and sit up in the bleachers, up in the nosebleeds, and watch the Canadiens at the Bell Center. I mean, I must, have, I must have watched ten to twelve games that year. It was, I, I loved it. I mean, I loved it. Um, but it, Montreal is unique in, in, for, for its hockey. I mean. You know, they've had 10, 10 sports pages all covering the Canadians every day. And, you know, I was, uh, we would play out, it's funny enough, we would practice out of the Maurice Rocket Richard Arena and we'd play our games out of the Bell Centre as well. So, you know, my, the biggest thing for Montreal was when uh, we made a coaching change shortly after I got there and we hired Elaine Vigneault. And that was probably the first time, you know, for me, it was certainly the most elite coach of I had up to that point. He was after coming back from Montreal, coaching in the NHL. And he did a lot for my career, uh, played me a ton there. And he, he's a guy that, uh, you know, there was no secret he made it to the, to the NHL and still there as a successful coach. But that's probably the, the greatest uh, memory I take out of there is my time uh, playing for under AV. Was he really encouraging uh, to your career and give you the idea that you could definitely play in the NHL one day? He did. He did. You know, he, I think he, him coming back from, you know, coaching in the NHL and then having some conversations with him. Obviously there's some things uh, I knew I had to work on, but you know, he, he really felt, and it gave me the confidence that, Hey, like, you know, if you stay with it, that, you know, one thing he always stressed was, Hey, you got great motor skills. You know, that's the one thing about you. You can, you know, the way you play the game. And, um, and, I, and he was so knowledgeable about the game and I trust him so much because he's been there and it really, you know, really affected me. And I know it's, a couple of things that he told me that I needed to work on. I certainly took the heart. And the next year was my first year of pro, but that was at that stage for a junior coach, he was on another level. So it was unfortunate to play for him. Our discussion with Sharks alumnus Ryan Klo continues on this episode of Where Are They Now? So from Alain Vigneault, you go to Roy Sommer in the Cleveland Barons of the American Hockey League. Overall, what was it like to play for Roy Sommer? And what did you learn from him? And what did you learn about yourself when you were in the AHL? I had a great time playing for Roy. Roy was, um, you know, Roy is someone who cares about his players. I think that's something you notice immediately. Uh, he has a very good demeanor. And he, he you know, he, the biggest thing with Roy is not so much about Roy getting wins. It's about players, you know, making, making it to the next level or developing their game or whether it's going somewhere else. Or, you know, he would always say that, you know, you might not make it to the Sharks, but someone's, you know, someone's watching you. You might have a chance somewhere else somewhere else in another organization. So that was, he was his number one goal was develop and promote players. And uh, he, he was just, you know, that, he would always put in the extra time with players. He loved spending time on the ice, which is 
not always the case for head coaches. He would put in the extra time and work with you after practices. And uh, so Roy was great in that way. And, you know, my, my first pro year was, a, it was on a big adjustment. I mean, it really was, I was, uh, I was coming out of junior as an overager and I really had to kind of find my way. But my second year was the year that really kind of took my career off. I think it was the year that it was a lockout year. I think that year I would have had an opportunity maybe to, you know, get called up at some point in the NHL season because I was playing well, but I didn't, but it was good for me to stay in the HL. But that league was really, I don't know if the league AHL has ever been as good as that year. I mean, the prospects and the players that were there was crazy. And I had a really strong year and I matched up well against them. That was the year I really believed that, okay, Hey, this is, you know, next year at training camp, it's not about, it's about making a team and that's it. And it was kind of a really springboard for me. What do you think about the role of the AHL in helping you become an NHL player? Oh, it was, it was instrumental because, you know, now you see at times more of these younger players and they, they make the jump and it seems to be uh, more routine than then. But I knew I had to put the time in. I, I just wasn't ready. Like I, I was barely ready for pro hockey and, and things happened fast for me in my career didn't play a lot of time in junior. So it, it was instrumental for me to be able to play in, uh, play in that league. And it's such an underrated league. It was, it's such a good league. Uh, and as you see, I mean, that's just on our team. And, and that's everyone's. In, in when I was playing, you know, I had eight or ten guys that ended, you know, went on to play in the NHL. And uh, just, just the, the day in, day out grind of being a pro, it's different than junior. It's different. And then playing against the men was very eye-opening for me. Uh, it, it showed me what I exposed my weaknesses and what I needed to do and what I needed to work on. But all those players played and all those, a lot of those guys, most of the guys you named have pretty successful NHL careers. And, and, and I'll see Rizzo, we were young. Like we, we weren't, a, we didn't have great records. We don't have a great team, but we had, you know, very good prospects and very good players that ended on going on to play. Well, you finally get an opportunity to play for the Sharks. And I, I remember this one year, this was the 05, 06 season. You played one playoff game that year. What did you notice and, and what was it like to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the very first time? Well, it was uh, it was crazy. And I, I still say to this day, I'm not sure. And listen, I played in San Jose and it, there's not too many places louder in San Jose uh, at any time, especially in the playoffs. But that Edmonton Arena, that Rexall was insanity. I don't like I mean, that place was shaking. It was crazy. So. Uh, I was so nervous. I was nervous as hell. I think I, I think someone was maybe couldn't go or it was an injury. I got thrown in there and I did okay, but I was like, it was a whirlwind. I, I didn't play again the next day or next game. And I, we obviously lost that series, but uh, that was a crazy experience. You know, this, this was the year after I uh, played in the AHL. Like I said, I had a good year. So I was expecting and I wanted to make the team out of camp that year. And I did. And I just honestly was, you know, when I made the team, I think I deserved to make it. But then once I start playing, I deserved to get sent down because I was just, I was, I was too much. Like I said, I loved the game so much. I knew every player growing up. I was playing against like Rob Blake and Shane Doan and these guys, Mike Medano. And I wouldn't go near anyone. And that's not my game. You know, I'm obviously a brace of player. That's how I got to play. And I was, I was not doing anything on the ice. And I remember getting sent down. And I'm like, you know, I got to give my head a shake. And the next year I came back, I was, completely different player, completely different mindset. And that's to me kind of when I really started my, my career. Well, you were part of the Sharks during a renaissance for the San Jose Sharks franchise, uh, becoming one of the elite clubs in the league on, a, on an annual basis. Um, I can remember uh, a number of big goals that you scored and, uh, and big plays that you have, but did you have any favorite, uh, favorite stories that you can share from those times? 
Well, I got a ton of favorite stories, but, uh, you know, Ruzo, my favorite stories are the playoffs. I mean, you know, when, when I think back now and when I, when I reminisce, especially, you know, it's the playoffs I think about. It's what you miss the most, you, you know, in your everyday life, you don't get that adrenaline. You don't get that rush. And it's, it's, there's just nothing like it. And, you know, we were close multiple times. Uh, we never, we obviously never won, but we knocked on the door every year. We had great teams. We had great core guys. We had, you know, great coaching. We had Tom McClellan there. Tom was a wonderful coach. And we we're very lucky to, uh, to have those teams. So the playoffs is what I, what sticks out to me. Uh, you know, obviously we had good regular seasons, but we had a couple of really good runs where I thought we could have, you know, especially the year we lost to Vancouver in the conference finals. I really thought that was the best team we've had there. Uh, I really loved that team. I thought if we had to make it, we matched up well against Boston. Uh, but you know, we were there, we were there every year and I loved it. I want to talk, ask you about courage from that series. Cause I remember Joe Thornton separated his shoulder and played that last game and played over 20 minutes. Um, uh, is that a, just a typical example of, of, of your teammates, of people that, uh, uh, that would do anything to try to help their team win? Well, what I loved about the team is that there was no, there was no choice because, because Joe didn't miss practice. That was, that was a game, but Joe didn't miss practices. Joe, Joe would have practiced with, you know, whatever his fingers or ankles or, you know, he, he was banged up. He was, you know, you know how hard he played and how, how much he played and he never missed a game and he never missed a practice. So there you go. There was the best thing about it. And I always tell people this, the, the, the standard was set. The standard was set with Patty and Joe because they never missed any, any time, any games, any practices. So uh, that was the best part about it. And then in the playoffs, obviously it was no question that those guys were going to play, but that was, you know, that was our leadership group. And that was, you know, if a young guy came in or if someone wanted to miss a practice with a, you know, a bruised knee or a Charlie horse or something, you know, Joe would, Joe would call him out on him. And, and sensitivity didn't come into play with that group. I think sometimes nowadays you see it a little bit too much, but that's the one thing I loved about that group was that we always challenged each other, pushed, pushed each other. And I think, you know, it showed on the ice. Well, a couple trips to the conference finals in that, in that time. But uh, before that, Ron Wilson was the coach of the Sharks and you got the chance to play for him. And that was, you were part of the longest game in the history of the Sharks, that uh, four overtime game against the Dallas Stars. That had to be the most uh, uh, testing game of, of your conditioning and of your, of your psyche that you ever played. Yeah, and to me, that was, to me, that was basically a game seven because I think if we won, I think we win game seven, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, you know, I think we scored maybe in the third to tied. We had... There were some grade A point blank saves by both goalies in overtime. I couldn't believe it. I mean, unbelievable saves. And at the last stage, I've never been in any, in a game like that. Uh, you know, I was just kind of waiting for like Pavelski to go score again, like he usually does. But uh, you know, that, yeah, that was that that was crazy. That was one of those games when you're done. That was one, that really took it time time to get over. I mean, that one really hurt because you know we we had a good first round. Obviously, we knocked out Calgary, and then. I thought we were right there and then we, we would have played Detroit, but you know, that, that, that game was, uh, it kind of reminded me, I remember I was watching Columbus and, and uh, Tampa Bay this year and I was thinking you kind of know what they're going through, but it was, uh, it was fun. It was tiring, but it was fun. Looking ahead uh, to what happened to the San Jose Sharks against the Vegas Golden Knights a few years later, game seven, I, I suppose I'm assuming that you may have, you probably were watching that game or at least seeing some highlights, but, wasn't that one of the most amazing things that's ever happened here in San Jose? Well, I could kind of picture myself and put myself back there in some of the games that, you know, where, where that happened and being in San Jose and being in that rink and seeing how crazy it is. Like I just, 
I, I couldn't believe it. I had a great relationship, obviously, with the players, but I also had a great relationship with Pete DeBoer, who I played with in, in, in New Jersey, played for. And I was watching that, and I, I remember I couldn't believe it. Like, I mean, I don't think I slept that night. It was just, I was so wound up. Was, I've never seen anything like that in my life. But you could feel the snowball effect coming. You could feel, you could feel the inspiration even from Jumbo on the bench. And uh, that, that was great. You know, that was one of those games I wish I was there live for. What was it like to go to uh, New York first with the Rangers and then later to the Devils and uh, play for, as you said, Pete DeBoer and work for Lou Lamorello, who was your general manager? Yeah, I mean, New York was an outstanding experience. I loved it. I mean, obviously, it wasn't there for very long. I, I went there. Uh, I didn't, like you know, I didn't score up until I got traded that year. I was really not necessarily playing horrible, but I just I just didn't score. And then I went there in the first game and scored two goals and kind of, it was kind of a whirlwind. And I loved New York and I loved playing there. I was very unfortunate. I got injured in the playoffs. I think we could have had it again. We were against Boston and I was injured and Mark Stahl was injured and two big players that I think could have helped. But I love playing for Torts. I love Torts. He was awesome to play for. Uh, you know, fits fits my and that was one of the reasons I, I kind of wanted to go to New York because I had a feeling that it would I'd mesh well with how I played with Torts and uh, and then when I did sign that offseason to New Jersey, I was very fortunate because Lou Lou Lamorello might be the best man I've ever met in hockey. He's just unbelievable. I love him. I had a chance to you know play play for him and then. Uh, you know, kind of work on him a little bit when I was done, but he, he's outstanding. And then obviously Pete coach for Pete, Pete reminded me a lot of Todd, a lot of similarities there in, in, in the coaching aspect. So I really liked Pete. He was great to his players, very honest. Uh, no surprise. He's having success. So, you know, I would have loved to spend most of all my career in San Jose, but the fact that I got to ex experience and, and build some of these other relationships has certainly helped me after the game uh, since I've been done. And it was a great experience. Maybe one of the hardest things that a player has to face is when his career does come to an end. And in your case, injuries definitely played a role. The type of style of hockey that you were known for uh, put yourself at risk to get injured uh, in a certain way. Tell us about how, how that all happened and, and perhaps even how that still affects you today. Yeah, well, I was, uh, when I signed, obviously, in, in uh, New Jersey, I signed a five-year deal. I made sure, obviously, medically I was fit to play. I've seen a lot of doctors that offseason. I felt good, and I felt good going into the season. You know, that year I actually was, thought I was playing pretty well before I got injured again, and I uh, had to miss towards the end of the year. Kind of went through the same thing the next summer, felt really good, was training hard again, and then kind of bang again. It happened early in the season. And I've been going through that a lot up to that point. It was a few years in a row where I was kind of, working my tail off and getting back healthy. And then it was, it kind of felt like the blows were getting less and less, but the, you know, the severity was, was kind of going up and, and the symptoms. And so I kind of had to come, I, I missed that whole season. Basically I didn't play very many games. I think only, you know, a handful or 10 or something, but I, I came back that off season. And again, I still wanted to play. I, you know, I, I knew in back of my mind that I didn't necessarily think it was the best idea, but I said, you know, maybe you know, see how I feel. I started to kind of, again, see some more, doctors do different types of therapy came back in September and felt pretty good again at camp but you know once I seen that some doctors and a couple of doctors that I knew talked to regularly I didn't get cleared to play I didn't get cleared by the devil's doctors I didn't get cleared by the doctors that I was uh, also approached so I knew at that stage it was probably not likely that I was ever going to play again I just wouldn't be able to so that was like a, you know a ton of bricks hit you really it was like a head snapper you know it was such a crazy 
time because I was, I had three years left on my deal. I think I was only 33. I felt like I could still play and be, you know, effective. And I, I wanted to play longer. I mean, I just wanted to play longer. I wasn't ready to, I knew I'd stay in the game when I was done, but I wasn't ready for that yet. And it was hard. I mean, it's, to be honest with you, it's hard mentally when you just, you know, I know we all got to get off the train at some point, but you know, at that stage, I felt like, you know, it wasn't my time, but you know, I was fortunate enough that I, I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good now. I just had a, had a, a couple of tough years in between, but a little bit up and down of a roller coaster. But I feel pretty good now. I know that's the most important thing. Uh, and I still have, you know, I still eventually want to get back and, and work and play or work in, in hockey in some capacity. So, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I still still have my health and it, it's it's working out okay. I'm just so happy that that you're doing better. I know that you were starting to get into coaching, but uh, had to step aside from that. But still, the fact that you're healthy and you're doing better and want to get back into the game means the world to, to all of us in San Jose. I know that, that you root for the Sharks to do really well, but what would it mean for you to see them actually win a Stanley Cup one day? Well, I was, you know, when they were, I was coming out, like they, had to, they were close in the year they lost to Pittsburgh. I mean, I was, I would have been out here for that. I think if they won, I just, it was incredible watching uh, the run they went on. Again, I knew Pete, so I wasn't surprised that he was able to take that team over and kind of push them over the edge. Uh, but, you know, it's going to happen, Rizzo. It's going to happen, I think, eventually. You know, I know it's, you know, there's obviously ebbs and flows, and that happens to every organization. And I felt like we could have easily won one. When I left, I felt there was a few years there where they could have won one. You know, sometimes this is, this is a tough trophy to win. I mean, especially nowadays, as you can see, you know, you win one, it's tough to win it the next year. It's impressive what Pittsburgh did a few years back to back. You're not going to see that very much anymore because the league's way too competitive and too tight. But uh, San Jose, there's going to be a banner up there someday, and I'll be there for it. We're looking forward to having you there, and we're looking forward to that event. But uh, most importantly today, what I want to say is uh, you're one of the uh, the great people that has ever played for this team. You still have a couple of club records, including scoring three power play goals in one game, which is still a shark standard. And uh, I just want to thank you for the time and 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 uh, appreciate the friendship and, and and all the years you played for us. I appreciate it, Ruzo, man. That's awesome. And uh, great to see you doing well and still still enjoying what you do. I think you're, I think you're starting to look younger, too. Great talking to you, man. It's always a pleasure. Ryan Clough will always be one of the most beloved members of the Sharks during a great era in franchise history. Our thanks to him for joining us, and our thanks to you for listening to another episode of Where Are They Now?